welcome to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall. I'm with my guys, Rowan and Todd, to recap Austria, all the craziness that happened. And uh, yeah, there's, there's so many topics we didn't know what to, what to start with. But first, like before we get into anything at all, how are you guys doing? I didn't know you were Dutch, uh, Nick. The orange hat. If there's two things I hate <laughs> in this world. It's people that are intolerant of other people's culture and the bloody Dutch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Little Austin Powers. Yeah. Yes. No, that that was scary. I never thought hooliganism would be something we see in Formula One. But we are where we are. And 2022 has got that unique life bingo card where scary shit happens. And we just sit through it and be like, glad it's not here, B. Yep. Yeah, it's it kind of it's kind of almost you almost expect it though, right? Like I, the thing that I love about this race most most years and this year too is just seeing that massive cloud of orange smoke, right? Because it's just been a thing for so many years now, and the fan base even takes it elsewhere, right? So like you see it pop up in smaller, you know, instances at other tracks, but. You almost know that with that passion is going to some come some craziness, right? Like, you know how they say like like Giants fans. That's a thing, right? Giants fans travel really well. Like, so when you go to LA, like yep. Dodgers games, like there's a huge portion of them yep. uh, in the in the stands. Uh, that's how the Dutch are with Formula One. They totally. go to every damn race. It's crazy. I mean, good on them. Super passionate. They have a world champion to root for. I gotta say though. The flares are getting a bit out of hand, or like the smoke grenades, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Flares. Um, like, this isn't even their home race. I mean, it's kind of their home race because Max drives for Red Bull and Red Bull owns the track. Um, the home away from home race, whatever. But, like, there was po- points during qualifying and um, during the race where there was, like, a noticeable amount of smoke of the drivers, like... It was fogging up for the camera, or not fogging up, whatever. They were driving yeah. through a smoke screen to the point where it was like, oh, what car is coming through the smoke now? Like, you couldn't even tell watching it on TV, which is pretty crazy. So, in person, I can't even imagine what that looked like. Yeah, I think it was something straight out of a Michael Bay-directed homage to Rush, because <laughs> that was one of those things where I'm like, really? Like, this? If I didn't know any better, this kind of felt cheesy, but there is something inherently cheesy about the Dutch. We get it. You guys like orange. That's cool. Uh, but like I said, if you feel offended by it, uh, hit me up on Twitter at MadWatcher789 and we can discuss it. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big fan of orange myself, not for the same reasons. But yeah, it is kind of crazy. Actually, it makes me wonder, though, like a Michael Bay take on Rush. We should actually do like an episode where we pair directors with racing movies. I would love to see a Quentin Tarantino reimagining of life as a Formula One mechanic. Like, never even go into the actual race because I feel like that would be the ultimate Quentin Tarantino move. It's just like, I'm not even going to show you the action that you want. It's just going to be quippy da- uh, dialogue and banter in the garage or in the paddock. <laughs> that would be great. Stanley Kubrick does Days of Thunder. Ooh. <laughs> Al-Qaeda does Aston Martin Cognizant's latest hype video because it's pretty much propaganda at this point. <laughs> <laughs> they all are. <laughs> That's really funny, though. <laughs> all right. You guys want to talk about the race? Yeah, right, well, we, we talked about the Dutch thing, so we should bring up, like, let's settle, simmer down, Dutch fans. Like there was uh, like the, the flares. It's a cool thing, but do it after the race. Do it on the cool down laps, whatever, when it's not like potentially dangerous. I can't even imagine what Zandvoort's going to be like this year. But other than that, like let's calm it down in general, because like there was Dutch fans burning Mercedes gear. And apparently I saw some tweet that like Mercedes fans were burning Red Bull gear last year at Silverstone. So, like, let's just comment down across the board. That's not just for the Dutch. But then there was, like, also people being harassed and, like, verbally abused in, like, at the track. So bad to the point where, like, teams took notice of it. And I, I saw one, and I want to shout out Aston Martin for doing this, but, like, some girls were getting 
harassed and abused or whatever. So Aston Martin decided to just like put them up in their paddock all weekend, which I thought was really cool. That's what so, Seb would have done. I think I, I yeah, that's I, a very I, Seb move. And and shout out to Matt Bishop, who's uh, one of the mechanical engineers or race engineers um, for Aston Martin, and he's a big uh, advocate. You know, advocate for equality things like that won't go into it too much but um i think he was the reason that that happened so shout out to him no yeah, i mean i think it's awesome. something that we kind of sometimes roll our eyes because apparently formula one races as one but this was actually a tangible example of them looking out for their fans not having any sort of toleration see i just made up a word for any sort of discriminatory behavior and you know it's something we expect from the lewises and the sebs of the world so it's glad to see that the teams have also kind of morphed into that identity and i thought nothing more apparent than toto wolf essentially just saying fuck off we don't want that in the sport we don't want that we don't need that in the sport and it's something nick had mentioned in a previous episode where it's like I'm glad people are being a little hostile in terms of how we are championing against racism because that needs to happen because we just can't ignore it anymore. We just can't be the adults in the room. Sometimes you do need to fight fire with fire, but I'm not advocating anybody to throw flares at racists. Just use your words. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's just, I can't I can't wrap my head around like the burning of jerseys or gear or whatever in any sport in any like it's like it's donated. literally just like lighting money yeah donated it's literally just like no. lighting money on fire and I I like I I maybe I just don't fall for the show of it or something but it just seems stupid and dangerous especially if you're trying to do it at the track what you're probably gonna well this. This yeah. is potentially worse because it, well, I didn't mean to make it sound like they were like, you know, buying Mercedes gear and then burning it. They actually supposedly uh, it's unconfirmed or whatever, but took it from a Mercedes fan and then lit it on fire, which is like way more aggressive than than the other thing. So. Even worse, right? Like, yeah, it, it is just. Like, ah, I just I can't I don't even know what to say about it. It just drives me crazy. The fact well, that people can be harassed to the point where they need what it. What happened right? to Carlos Sainz's car? Holy shit. Oof. Yeah. Well, let's do the race rundown and then yeah, we'll jump let's into do that. that. I've got the order in case we need a reminder. So Charles Leclerc bouncing back, getting first place. Max Verstappen in a slightly unfamiliar number two. Lewis Hamilton, George Russell, Mercedes does it again. They just continue to be the most professional outfit in the entire grade with third and fourth. Esteban Ocon, my guy, at number five. Brad Hatui. And then Mick Schumacher going back to back like lethal weapon covers in sixth place. Seventh, Lando Norris. Eighth, Kevin Magnuson. Ninth, Daniel Ricciardo. Tenth, Fernando Alonso. Valtteri Bottas at 11. Alex Albon at 12th. Lance Lastrol at 13th. Guan Yujo in 14th. Pierre Gasly in 15th. Yuki Tsunoda in 16th. Seb Vettel in 17th, and then the three retirees, Carlos Sainz Jr., Nicholas Latifi, and Sergio Perez. Oh, lot to unpack there. Seb in last. He had no, a crazy No, no, Seb was not in last. He was in 17th. Say it with your chest. <laughs> no, he was in last. Like, if, if I'm going to if, if take credit or give congratulations for Danny Rick being in the top 10, even though he didn't necessarily earn it, uh, I'm going to put it out there that Seb was in last place because he was the last of the finishers. That's true. I was going to say, how many points do you get for a ninth place finish? Two? I Tom, would you like two. two minutes to give Daniel Ricardo his flowers? No, I, no, no. Don't just... It's not just the tip, just for a minute, just, just to see if it feels good. I want... <laughs> The Give me the full romance. The drive shaft. Yeah. No, I hate the trash. <laughs> no, I want the whole wine and dine. Come on. I want like the full experience. I want no, like, no, this. This is a first date. This is taking somebody to McDonald's, being like, hey, you were with me while I was shooting in the gym right now. When I'm the draft <laughs> pick, I win my finals MVP. You're also there. But we have to go back to basics for Danny Rick. Yeah, but it's like. It's like get, it's like getting back together with a girlfriend that you broke up with like five years ago who, you know, used to be really hot. And now she's just like gives you her time every once in a while. 
I'm not, no. You gotta prove it to me, all right? That's fair. So, tangent aside, where do we want to start or who do we want to talk about first? Because I think Charles Leclerc proved it. And I know I've been his biggest detractor, especially in the last couple of episodes, but this was a resilient drive back. And then, did he catch Max sleeping? Like, what was that overtake? Because I feel like it was almost hilariously comical from a defensive driving perspective from Max. Yeah, like, can we actually jump back? We we'll definitely talk yeah. about Charles, but like jump yeah. back pre-race because I was super confused yesterday after the sprint race mm-hmm. because it looked like it was going to be. I even said it in the Discord. I was like, "So Max wins by twenty 20? seconds, twenty seconds tomorrow." It just looked like Red Bull had the ultimate pace again, and Ferrari didn't have an answer for it. And then I heard after. The sprint race that uh, Charles Leclerc said, oh, don't worry. Yeah, we can get him tomorrow. We can get him tomorrow. Like he was not even being like, you know, let's go, boys. We got this like rah, rah or anything. He was like convinced like, oh, we can beat them tomorrow. And he sure as hell did. Like the Ferraris looked like they were just rocket ships today. I don't know what where that pace came out of. Even Carlos, until he exploded, was super fast. Um and then, yeah, that overtake uh, that that Charles had, which I don't know if it was like catching Max sleeping or Max knew he didn't have the points. And he was like, all right, I'm going to battle from P2 and see where this race goes. I can put pressure on him from behind. Let him drag me along with the DRS, yada, yada. And then he was like had a, a couple second gap on him, like almost immediately. So that was just an awesome, awesome weekend for ferrari i guess it would have been better if they obviously got the sprint race points but they didn't do too shabby there either so and i would say this it's an awesome weekend for red bull all things considered they got extra points this week because of the sprint race uh yeah we saw perez lose out but then that canceled out the signs uh retirement as well so it could have been a hell of a lot worse for red bull so i think they're pretty happy with the nine lives that they have because that was just I couldn't have scripted something worse for Red Bull had Carlos Sainz not gone out of the race because then we would have had a real, okay, the drivers may be lost, but the constructors is still ongoing and active. It seems super weird going back to the Max and, and Charles thing. One, it seemed, it seemed like Max was on hards, but didn't want to be on hards, right? And I don't know what he was in for the sprint race, but... In that instance, too, it almost seemed like he. I think it did seem like he was caught off guard by it because he's so aggressive, even when he doesn't have the competitive car, he's going to he's going to move a little bit. He's going to make you make the, the mistake, whatever. You know, he he's he's a he's a fighter, you know, like he's not just going to let somebody pass like that. And I know that I know that, like, you know, he knows when the car is not up to speed. But he's still going to make you earn it. Right. And that was totally missing on that, at least on that one, you know, kind of talked about the one we're referring to. Right. Because there was, you know, like multiple times throughout the race. I think Charles passed him three times. Right. At least. He definitely passed him twice. I don't know if it was three, but. Because there was there was a a lot of stops. It was a two stop race for most most folks. But it just seemed like out of character for Max, you know, like I, 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 my guess is that he was like some somewhat like just not paying full attention at that moment. I don't think that he was, but like I said, he almost didn't need to be. I think one thing I will say, looking at it from the perspective of. Perez like I really wish we didn't have that retirement because I would have wanted to see the tag team battle between Ferrari and Red Bull but maybe it does ultimately come down to both teams number one drivers yeah it's a shame that they're not closer right it, it felt like a it really felt like a big win for Ferrari in in this weekend but in the constructors for the driver's championship, Charles only made up five points on Max because of the because of the sprint race finish. Yep. Or sprint race points included. 
But I mean, what do we also say? Because the person that did hit Checo in the first lap, or was it turn four of the first lap, still managed to get P4. And I mean, I continue now to be impressed by George Russell in spite of the fact that he seemingly sometimes is his own worst enemy and he puts up these hurdles. But Mercedes continues to be professional. And what is this now? Is this the second straight podium for Lewis? Which, yeah, in the grand scheme of his career, not that big of a deal. But this year in particular, this feels like slightly a turning point, if I don't say so myself. Yeah, I was... uh talking about this last week or pre-race i guess i should say i was thinking about it and we we've had on this podcast and obviously the f1 media have had many moments this season with like oh or mercedes back mercedes backs you know it's uh trevor's favorite thing to clown on is mercedes back um which i i, I agree with it's everyone has like everyone's almost forcing Mercedes into the narrative. Yeah. Uh, But it it does feel, especially after qualifying, if they didn't crash, they would have been in a shout for uh, like uh, at least be in the fight, be a lot closer to the front pack this weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, And based on pit stops and how everything went, they could, I mean, or, you know, pit stops and the two DNFs, they really could have, it feels like they could have been battling for the lead. The Red Bull was off pace today. I don't know if, if Mercedes was really on the pace. They still finished, what, like 20, 30 seconds behind the front two, something like that. Um, but things could have worked out differently with the stops and, and whatnot and the DNFs. So it feels like they're making a step. Uh, and I was thinking about it this week. It seems like they're the team that's affected the worst by bumpy tracks, which starts that oscillation and then they get the porpoising and whatnot. Um, I'm wondering, I was wondering to myself when the next time we have a bumpy track is and see how they perform there. But it seems like we have several races in between. So they could be on a good stretch here uh, for the next several races. And and this is where I walk back my... uh, Mercedes are going to finish P5 or lower in the championship because if we have these smooth racetracks, they are quick and they're picking up points left and right, as Rohit mentioned. So another few weekends of this and they could be, uh, you know, a solid P3 and encroaching on P2 if Ferrari continues to explode. They're lurking. And uh, one thing that I think we were chatting about last episode's uh, post-recording meeting was you could kind of sense this frustration in Lewis Hamilton because he thought he may have had a chance to win the British Grand Prix. And I'm trying to remember, was it something to do with the tires, Todd? Because I know when we were chatting about it, you were pretty vociferous about like, oh, yeah, we should have talked about that. So um, in a sense, I'm trying to give you a bit of a mea culpa. Do you remember what was the source of his frustration and why did he feel that way? Because the vibe we got was, hey, like, hey, they've got third uh, they've got third place. They're doing great. But Lewis felt like something was left on the track. Oh, it was just uh, just real quick. I said after and I'd forgot to talk about on the last pod that I think if they put Lewis on the mediums instead of the hards last weekend, that he would have had a chance to at least battle for the win. Um, and I don't think, and that's what he was talking about where he was super unhappy. He's like, why did we put these tires on? Cause he didn't like, he didn't like the feel or whatever of the hards. But uh, I think Mercedes actually addressed it in their like weekly or post race recap video. Why they went with the hards versus the mediums based on the, their projected pace on the hards, how many laps were left, et cetera, et cetera. So, I don't know. I'm an idiot. I probably don't know what I'm talking about, but I feel like in the moment, Lewis also agreed with me, so I must be somewhat smart. Idiot savant. How about that? We'll split the anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last thing I'll say is, uh, yeah, I think Merck is is on their way up, not down, unless we get a bumpy track and then we see how they how they respond. I agree. I think it's. I mean. It, I think it's just they're too good of a team. They're two very talented drivers. It's just it's just a matter of time when they figure it out, and that's what a great team is, right? I mean, it's 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 Red Bull 
you know, over the last five years, you know, just consistently creeping up, creeping up, creeping up, and then finally getting the win. And now basically just dominating everyone. Right, now that since we're talking about Merck, I want to get you guys' opinion on on the George Checo crash. <clears throat> Where did you guys what what side of the line did you guys lay on? George didn't have any space. Checo, uh, you know, so like made his own bed by trying to go around the outside of turn four. Uh, racing incident was the penalty justified. What do you guys think? My thought is this. This is kind of what is a symptom or a result of these new racing protocols. We're actually seeing full-on race racing. And I do think it was a bit of a racing incident. Part of it did feel a little dangerous. So I get the Russell penalty. But at the same time, I think... I don't fault either one of them for going for it. It's just a racing incident. So I I compare it to a yellow card in soccer. Sometimes there are very professional fouls that are there to stop the play, uh, run of play. I don't think it was that, but it was dangerous, so I get the penalty. Nick? I mean, I it seemed like more Russell than Checo, mm-hmm. but also, like, you know, you, you're going around the outside. Like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say. I mean, the thing that when I looked back at the replay earlier, it seems like Russell had more space to the right of him to, to make a little bit tighter of a turn at the same time where he, where like when you see like Checo turning and Russell still almost going straight out of that, when he would have, it's in my perception or my opinion, he would be turning more to the right. Like, I think the penalty was a little harsh. I think it's it's more of a racing incident, but I think that if there is somebody to blame, I do think it was it was more on Russell than it was on Checo in that situation, just based on the angles of both the cars going into that corner. Yeah, that was a really tough one. Uh, for me, I thought about it. I even posted in the Discord. I was like, I can't stop thinking about that crash because it felt so reminiscent about, not that the crash was massive or anything, but it did essentially end Checo's race. So I don't know if the penalty was enough or not enough, like too much, um, because we've had so many incidents at that turn in the past, I want to say three years, um, for some reason, weirdly always involving uh, a Mercedes or a Ferrari or a Red Bull. Um, it's always involved one of those teams, but it's it's almost like the profile of that turn causes those wrecks to happen good or bad like so maybe the track needs to look at that they mean you know widen widen out the track on the run out or something i don't know but um yeah that one like if you in somebody's race i don't know if you can do like the punishment by how bad of a thing you caused uh that doesn't really i mean the kind of they do that in hockey with how bad the injuries are versus you know how many games suspended they get suspended for but um i agree with both of you i think it was more on on george's thing uh for the simple fact that checo was actually ahead going into the corner just by like a nose so you have to leave him the width on the outside of the track but in russell's defense it's the beginning of the race the cars are full of fuel and heavy it looks to me like he actually was turning as much as he could like he understeered a little bit, but if you start understeering and you turn more, you know, if you've driven a car in anger before, you just understeer more than that, like more than you already yeah. are. So um, it was, yeah, definitely a racing incident, but more more George's fault for the simple fact that Checo technically was going was ahead going into the corner. So it's just a shame that uh, that corner continues to cause those incidents. Or maybe it's a good thing. I don't know because it caused because of that. It was like the domino that fell that caused a pretty interesting race. So, yeah, I mean, and it, it's definitely I don't think it was intentional by any means. I think to your point, right, like the car's heavy at that point of the race. It's it's, you know, it's not reacting the way even the way that it was the last time he drove the car, you know, yesterday, for instance. Right. So, yeah, I mean, 
it, it sucks when that stuff happens, but I don't know. It's like, like I think I think the the solution to it is smaller cars. Honestly, like <laughs> the cars are too big, right? Like they're too big and too heavy. Like this stuff we've been saying forever. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to like like that's like really how I feel about it. And I like driving small cars anyway. But when I watch these cars and see them out there, like they seem like whales compared to some of the older cars that I. You know, I, I get that technology has changed and they're, they've made it safer and all these things, but I don't think that the size of the cars has. I think technology has progressed in a way that we could have smaller cars that are more nimble and agile and more fun to watch because there's a little bit more room on the track. You know, I, I don't think that the tracks have gotten wider over the years, but the cars obviously have. So to that extent, that's the solution, right? Like, like the, the regulations just need to change to make smaller cars. so We can go back a little bit on the size of them and give, give the guys more room to race. That would, that would actually solve some of the problems with some of the other tracks. We don't need to go too far into this, but like Monte Carlo, for instance, right? Like Monte Carlo wasn't always just a procession. It used to be a really competitive race, but right now you're talking about driving a car that's 18 feet long. I think like that's ridiculous to drive a car like that in a, roughly two lane road, let alone going at 200 miles an hour. I was just going to say the same thing, Nick, and I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole either, but for the next set of regs, their baseline for car design or measurements should be Monaco. That's the track they need to think of when they make the car measurements or the widths maximum or whatever, or minimums. Um, make them that size and it'll be good on Monaco and like, think about that. If they made cars that would be good to race on Monaco, you take them to a track like Austria. We had five of these gigantic cars going into one corner today. Yeah. Double double that. Put 10 in the same corner. That'd be insane. Like, granted, we'd probably have everybody crash into each other, but we'd be super entertained talking about whose fault it was. Yep. Yep. I'm going to zag. All right, Rod, I, think it, I think it's oh, your turn. Ahead. I was going to say, I think it's I think it's your turn. You've got... You've got your flying Ocon in fifth. Uh, the fighting Probably Ocon's best finish no, of the year, right? I was and say, I think we need smaller humans. Oh, fighting Ocon. Make the cars bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Get like an under 15 uh, division yeah. for cars now. It's just one of those things that you guys had mentioned. What like, is this, a race car for ants? Yes. How, how are they expected Sorry. to drive the cars if they're too big to fit in them? No. Uh, this is kind of a point now where you guys... This was essentially our Monaco episode. We were banging this drum saying, hey, this isn't going to work. And I thought it was something unique that we're seeing this in Austria, which is considered to be a racy, racy track. And it seems to have been genetically engineered this track in an Austrian lab, probably by an energy drink company to get the most results for their respective teams. And it didn't happen today. But I don't know. I keep thinking that this current set of regulations has seemingly got it right because I've been listening to you guys talk. I've been consulting the other Formula One fans in my life. And it seems that across the board, everybody isn't necessarily happy in terms of, let's say, the parity of the races. But the actual on-track competition seems to be at an all-time exciting high because of the fact that people are allowed to race. It's not as processional. It's as if these race cars are actually meant to do what they're supposed to do, which is catch up with one another and duel each other for better positioning. So I am happy with where this is, but I'm interested to see how they will evolve for 2026. I'm so glad you brought that up. I know we're going down this rabbit hole still, but I had that in my notes because that's the one takeaway I got from today's race is that the regs this year have worked. Like you mentioned, we don't have the parity that we'd like to see. There's still um, like, you know, Alpha Tower shitting the bed every, every, every week. And we have the, the two front runners finishing 20 seconds ahead of the pack. Um, but like the midfield was insane today. Like, like I mentioned a second ago, there was two different moments in the race where we had five cars going into one corner and they were like actually fighting, not just like it wasn't a DRS train all going into one corner. They were like all over the track, like fighting for position, taking different angles to different lines into the corner, trying to come out of that. 
that mess uh, on top. And like there was crazy overtakes in in weird spots on the track. Lewis had a pretty fantastic overtake today. Uh, so the regs, that's all down to the regulations and this new arrow stuff. And now teams are fighting it with <laughs> a finger wag. Yeah, I have that on my notes too. Sorry, uh, Rohit just wagged his finger at yeah, me. Yeah, it's a podcasting. No, no, it's clearly no. a visual medium. But no, what I was going to say is this is yeah. yet another one of those reoccurring segments we've hap- happily stumbled upon, which is old guys doing cool things in cars. And I think this week was Fernando Alonso channeling his inner Dikembe Mutombo and just telling Yuki Sonoda, back off, young fella. This is how big dog shit. He's he's turning into the new Kimmy. Kimmy Raikkonen. Oh, he is, definitely. Yeah. The, like the yeah. – the, his uh, – Interview after last week when he said, like, oh, no, that, don't worry, because I think he finished P4, I want to say. P4 or 5, somewhere there. Anyway, Russell finished f- 5, maybe, yeah. Um, he Russell finished right ahead of him, I know. And he said, like, oh, because he got penalized in Canada for, for the weaving on the straight. And then, I guess, Russell supposedly weaved in front of in front of – Alonzo, and he was so confident in his post-race interview, like, oh, don't worry. It's actually going to be a P4 because George, George weaved on the street and they penalized me. Like, in the most sarcastic, perfect fashion. Um, and and then this week, Yuki just squeezed him going into turn three a little bit. It wasn't even, like, bad. He just, like, took a defensive line, squeezed him a little bit, which we saw Max squeeze Charles... Super bad yesterday in the sprint race, which let Carlos by. Um, so it was like a pretty like acceptable racing move. <laughs> Mid race, while he's going like 180 miles an hour, he just looks over as he's passing him and gives him the no, 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 which was the funniest. That's definitely the funniest moment of the whole race today. Yeah, he's riking in with charisma. Because, I mean, yeah, say what you were about Kimi, but uh, one of the joys of Kimi was the fact that he was a stone-cold auditor when it came to tone, when it came to inflection of his voice. Everything was very robotic. Everything is monotonous. There's one thing Fernando Alonso isn't. It's monotonous. That man truly embodies that Latin stereotype of wearing his heart on his sleeve as well as on his chemo-sponsored hat because, my, my God, does that man love a fat bill. <laughs> It, uh, time for a crossover episode. Uh, I was gonna say, please get F1 him on hats. Crown and Stitch, Nick. On Crown and yeah. Stitch, yeah. You need to get that Kamoa hat on Crown and Stitch, Nick. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All uh, right. So what's what's next? I think. I, oh. oh, I got it. I got it. Okay. The the best tweet that I saw from this week this week was. Uh, I'm going to butcher it, but it's something along the lines of, I can't believe all the upgrades that Haas brought to the table this week. They even brought a new Mick Schumacher. (laughs) That's a perfect segue because the next person in finishing order was Mick Schumacher with, uh, I think his highest finishing position ever in F1. Last week was P7 or P8, something like that. And this week is P6. Yeah. Man, he is on fire. He was like, and he's like starting to give a little attitude and like a little bit of fire like his dad used to because he was really pissed after the sprint race yesterday when uh, K-Mag, uh, I guess, didn't teammate. slow down or. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he is. He has been. They've been getting going well together. You're, you're right. But, but like, in that didn't particular along moment. With DRS. Yeah, in that particular moment, though, like the radio call, like, please tell him to slow down because I need him. And K-Mag just went. This is not Roman Grosjean. This is Mick Schumacher with points. And dare I say, he is a shark with blood in the water. All it took was that man getting his lip bloodied by Max Verstappen, getting that first batch of points. And now, like, this dude is a different guy altogether. And we're really interested to see how he evolves from this because – I think it's safe to say that Magnuson's dog uh, dog walked him for the better part of this first half of the year. Yeah, for the most part, we like we yeah. talked about Mick's struggles. Mick what slapped the wall in Monaco, the race after he, I think crashed in practice, or no, that was the race before that. 
something like that. But he's had his yeah. fair share of destroying multi-million dollar machinery this year. It's like Roman Grosjean never left. That's all I'm stoked I, for him, though. Yeah. But at the same time, this is a promising development. And I think we were always being cynical when we said, if this man's name is Mick Sanchez instead of Schumacher, like, does he get that sniff of a extended look of being a Formula One driver? He's proven right now in the last couple of races that he's figured things out. We don't know how much longer this good form will last, but let's just take it on the surface of what it is. This is a young man that's slowly coming of age. And not only that, he has his Obi-Wan Kenobi Sebastian Vettel almost like looking out for his results more than he is his own, which I'm okay with because I like Seb being the older mentor type. Like you need a Morgan Freeman to go with the Brad Pitt in seven. And I can see that. So if there were trades that were allowed in Formula One, I would love a K-Mag, uh, K-Mag for Sebastian Vettel trade straight up. <laughs> that is the weirdest movie tie-in I think you've done so far. Morgan <laughs> Freeman and Brad Pitt as... <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> What's in the box? Yeah. It's a pit stop. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my God. I mean, I, I, th- I think there's also some credit to be, to be given to, to Haas because these cars were nowhere near this pace at the beginning of the season. And I, I would say that the only other team that made this noticeable of upgrades or, you know, performance upgrades throughout the year is Mercedes, right? Like, like we would have not if neither none of us would be none of us none of none of the people listening would be saying that Haas would both be in points back to back races at this point of the season just based on the first few races it was like they looked good but not like you know yeah no. well it, it's weird because it's been peaks and valleys with Haas and Back to what you just said, Nick. They're one of the few teams that haven't brought any major updates to their car yet. Yeah. They've tweaked some stuff, but they haven't done any like change in design philosophy, d- design philosophy or like actual aero upgrades to the car at all. They're one of the few teams that haven't. Um, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because just like in Monaco, they both. DNF'd, um, Baku, Magnuson DNF'd, Canada, Mick DNF'd, but he was on track for points. Uh, but it seems like they're on the up. Um, and the last two races have been really good. So we'll see what they do in France. If they are up there fighting the top of the midfield again, like it's safe to say that their, their design worked and they're on their way. Like we want to see, like, unless they bring an update that, really makes them take a step back like they could be you know fighting at the upper end of that midfield like fighting with alpine because we know mclaren has confirmed that they aren't really doing any big developments for the rest of the year so i could see it being a battle between haas and alpine i think alpine will still take that due to their uh volcano powered engine or whatever the hell they have in the back of that thing uh but yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. And now that like we have some consistency out of Mick, back to the point, um, man, if he gets a little bit of confidence on a, on a little bit of a roll, he could do some damage this year. I mean, speaking of Absolutely. doing damage, I'm here for it. Yeah, Daniel Ricardo scored two points, dude. Like that's a crazy thing because now maybe that ship is slowly starting to pick up steam because. Say what you will about McLaren. It's been a one-person team. And that one person, Lando Norris, has gotten them in fourth. And I almost want to say, like, he single-handedly carried that team to an above-average finish. And I just keep waiting for him to regress to the mean. But then I would also think that Daniel Ricciardo also has to be efficient at some point. And maybe we're starting to see that because... Alpine is lurking, and it's one of those things that I think I have a little bit of emotional uh, investment slash attachment to Alpine because of our guy Ratatouille. But at the same time, like I keep thinking, how much longer can you lurk before something has to give? And yeah, Fernando continues to do cool things, but I don't think they're as efficient of a team if my guy uh, Ocon is the number one driver. I almost feel like for them to truly achieve their final form and actually deliver to their promise... Alonzo has to dog walk him the way we were talking about uh, Magnuson and Schumacher. 
So time to bring up the rumor mill. Do um, it. I think unless Danny Rick for some reason like wins the next three races, just literally complete change of form, uh, you know, puts sugar in everybody else's gas tank or something else, something of that sort. I think he's pretty much gone. Like he needs to solidly not even keep up at, at this point. It's not even just keep up with Lando. Uh, Lando was down on power this weekend because he had to go back to an old spec engine, uh, old reliable as they were calling it all weekend. So he was down a couple of tenths per lap and still beat Ricardo by like seven seconds or something crazy. Like he beat him solidly and he was in a technically slower car, like same, you know, chassis and whatnot, but like was down on power a little bit. So I don't really think that there's anything that you can do to save your seat there at, at McLaren Honey Badger. And the reason I say that is because we talked about this um, and I think uh, Trev was the one that corrected me on last uh, last week's pod uh, that uh, it sounded like it was all but signed at uh, Williams for Oscar Piastri going to Williams uh, and potentially working out a new engine deal there. But um, according to the rumor mill, Oscar Piastri is now holding out because he's also talking to McLaren, which is very interesting. Uh it sounds like that could be a thing that happens. Um, I don't, it doesn't, doesn't sound like there's an engine deal tied to that one. Uh, but who knows? That's also was in the news a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it sounds like there's there and they're testing. Um, they're doing it's not an in-season or free practice test, but they're testing out, I think, Colton Herta in the next couple of weeks at uh, some other track in the last year's spec car okay. to see how he f- fares in that. So, I mean, like the the writing's all over all the walls. Danny Rick is uh, is on his way time. out. Let's just say that. Yeah, but I guess can we flip the conversation in a sense? Like, are we almost underrating the leap that Lando's made? where do you consider Lando's performance this year compared to where it was last year? Because I think he has matured as a driver and dare I say, are they orange bull now? Because I do see a situation where the second driver may never be good enough. If Lando continues to go on this trajectory. I, I'd put it like this. He's the best driver, not in a top three car. Okay, I think he's super talented and you put him in the top three cars and he's matching what Russell's doing. Perez, uh, he's matching what Checo's doing. He's doing what uh, science is doing. Like, I don't think he's probably on those top three that we always talk about with Hamilton, Leclerc and Verstappen. I don't think he's there yet, but he's equally as good as what are all those teams, you know, second drivers. Probably better than I would rate him higher than at least signs and maybe on par with Checo pace wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, I I think he's I think he's fourth or fifth, you know, if I'm ranking drivers right now, just on driver skill, not on not not based on car. Right. Because I would I would. And that's to answer your question, Rowett. I think it's it's tough because. Last year's McLaren car was a much better car than this year's McLaren car performance wise. And and Lando made the most of it last year, right? Like what do you have? Like maybe two or three podiums, probably another four or five, fourth or fifth place finishes. Like, I mean, he did really well last year in a car that was good, but not, not great. Right. And this year he's doing, you know, like he's, he's pushing, yeah, he, wouldn't you say he's doing better this year in a worse car than he was in a better car? I think last so. Year? Yeah, I mean he's he's right there, uh, you know, kind of in that same area. But the car itself, it seems to me like it's you know ten or twenty percent less of a car 
than what he had last year, I guess. But we're also so early, you know, we've still got half a season to go. Like he's still got to get his six podiums in for me to make my uh, hot take come true. So, <laughs> or or two wins. Would you take two wins? I or really six podiums? Oh, I'll take two wins. Yeah, I'd really like to see him get his first win. He's starting to get up there in yeah. in race appearances, and we don't want him to turn into the next Carlos Sainz. Yeah. It, ooh, he just won. I would say Hulkenberg is the comp to make. Well, he's got the all-time record, I think, most appearances in a GP without a win. Yeah. But uh, I think it was like 180 starts or something like that. Okay. Uh, but Sainz, until his win, was at like 150. Yeah, it, yeah. He, just, he was creeping up towards Hulkin back. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there was something else I was going to say. Now I can't. Yeah. It's okay. I think it was related to Lando. Anyway, must have not been that important. I mean, to your guys' point, though, 81 points apiece for. Was Alpine and and uh, McLaren? McLaren right now. So, I mean, I don't really think of those teams that way. I still think of McLaren higher up, I guess. But just might be me wishing my, you know, wishful thinking fandom on them. So. Well, but like, if if they're, would you say they were tied on points right now? They are. Yeah. And McLaren has already confirmed that they're not doing any major development for the rest of the year because of God knows what else, the cost cap or uh, maybe money troubles again. I don't think it's money troubles, but who knows? Uh, So they're they're all what unless like Alpine's reliability like takes some massive hit. They're all but already behind Alpine, even though they're tied. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It's All right. Anything else race wise we should touch on before we no, I mean, talk I about some fantasy? We've got everything we needed. We talked about Mercedes professionalism. We talked about the fact that even though Red Bull had a bad weekend, it could have been worse. We've talked about the fact that this was as resilient of a drive for Charles Leclerc in the sense that I think he really needed this, especially after the quasi pouting session that the cameras caught with him and Matteo Bonato last week. And I thought it was really interesting the way that maybe the knives are out for Charles Leclerc, but I didn't see a similar pouty video. I'm not saying that it didn't happen, but maybe Sainz just has that situational awareness to always make sure Ferrari doesn't Ferrari him, even when it comes to off the track activities. So I actually have one more thing, and this is just my weekly rant on I want to choke out whoever's directing F1 TV. But now I have like real physical like this is just you're not even paying attention at this like okay i'll first i'll start by saying that one tv direction was bad again not as bad as as uh i would say last week but like we're uh, like a few laps in leclerc had just gotten in drs range on max and you go to replay the, the race start replay again, like fuck. We know what you, it was five laps ago. We know what happened. <laughs> oh god, it gets me boiling every time I talk about it. So just stop at the replays. Stop at the like. At least the crowd shots are kind of interesting because of all the flares in us, like the smoke grenades, whatever. So like that's kind of cool. Um, but the crowd shots, the replays, just pick a better time. There was definitely lulls in the race. Um, or just, you know, like Google search picture in picture. It's been available for 40 years. Um, but the one thing that was the absolute funniest thing this weekend, except for the finger wag, was the uh, the podium, uh, the graphics for the podium today. They had uh, in first. I can't really show it to you, but if you look in the F1 memes in the discord, uh, Sergio Perez in first place. They had Carlos Sainz in second place, and they had Max Verstappen in third. The best part about it, though, is that they're all color-coded to the right teams in the right positions, 
with the wrong names and wrong people. So who is Carlos Sainz? And that I, uh, Carlos Sainz was Max. Okay. Uh, Sergio Perez was Leclerc, and Max Verstappen was actually Hamilton in third. Oh, that's the chef's kiss of irony right there. Because if there's one thing I would love to see is racist Dutch fanboys being like, no, no, we're supposed to boo him, but we can't. It's our boy, our sweet orange boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. That was the best thing that came out of this weekend, I think. Just, Just whoever's there needs to be fired. I say it every week. I'll probably rant about it next week. Next time they do a replay. Uh, well, I was going to say like, next week is your, our halfway in your episode. Do you want to give us your top three or bottom three hilarious segues that made you the maddest? Because I feel like you could really, we could just call an ISO for you and just give you the rock for about <laughs> 15 minutes and you could just show us how it's done. Wait, seg- segues that we've done on the pod or segues that... The television the, the number one thing of all time. Uh, nothing will ever beat in Monaco last year when they were showing. It was up the it was after turn. I think it was turn two. Technically, it's like after the first turn after the straight in Monaco. And they're going up that little wiggle in Monaco. And they cut to a Lance Stroll replay of him. Like literally just turning around a corner when they like there was a battle for the lead going on or a pass like that was the best thing I've ever seen. Uh, or worst. I'd have to find it again. I'll find it and post it in the discord. Yeah, the best worst thing. Yeah, best worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen. But anyway, I don't know if I could find I, I, I don't want to rant for 15 minutes on how much I hate that person's guts. It's OK. I feel like I feel like Todd could have one of those, you, you know, those YouTube channels that where they just completely go at something like it's just their purpose is to just roll whoever it is under the bus as much as possible. I feel like Todd could have like a an entire YouTube channel dedicated to how terrible the editing and, and directing and producing of, of Formula One racing is. If F1 weren't such, for the lack of a better term, since we've been talking about this in the past few weeks, Nazis about using their content, (laughs) like all kinds of F1 YouTubers get copyright strikes all the time for using any form of of a race replay or whatever. That's why all the F1 content, all the big channels you see out there use stock footage from like the team's practice days or preseason testing or or just still pictures uh because f1 is so i don't know i don't know what's called it's not like they're showing a full yeah draconian yeah um there you go that's a fantastic idea though because i could literally learn how to edit (laughs) and every race i would have at least 15 minutes of content of bad tv direction (laughs) I feel like you've missed your true calling anyway. because I know before Adam Carolla kind of went off the deep end, he used to have uh, This Week in Rage. And I come to you now, Todd, for This Week in Rage because your rants, your diatribes, your vendetta against Formula One direction really fuels my love of the sport even more. <laughs> it's one of those secret joys I get whenever I start following a new sport is inevitably I find somebody in my life who follows that sport with a much greater fervor than I do despite uh, my infancy in it. But my goodness, if you could do that and you could be, let's say, the Spike Lee of Formula One or the Quentin Tarantino, going back to our whole film idea, since we've had a couple different homages to film in this episode, I'd be here for it. So let me know what I can do to help you. Help me help you. Be the Rod Tidwell to my Jerry Maguire. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I love the idea. And I feel like that would be I, I feel like I could get a good 10 to 15 minutes of me pissing and moaning about it in a, in a like probably funny way. But, Here's what uh, we do. We have your son draw yeah. like you tell your son what to draw and then you would just show us. how <laughs> it Yeah, his drawing is as bad as the F1 TV direction is. So that actually would work. Yes. I mean, 
So, and you get to spend quality time with the lab. Perfect match. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I did buy him a Lego F1 car today. Nice Not like a real licensed one, just a... Oh, I don't know. It's just like... It's like one of those like three-in-one. You can build like a muscle car mm-hmm. or some other form of race car, and it also turns into like a little F1 car. He was pretty excited That's about awesome. it. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, is that it for final thoughts? We want to move on to fantasy? Let's just go yeah, to let's fantasy. Do it. All right. Let's do it. Um, okay, so the league that shall not be named. Uh, I am somehow still in first place. Um, uh, it's followed up by uh, Jackal, who is uh, in a new number two. Nice. Uh, and followed up by, shout out, Julie. Uh, she's moved up to number three. She also had the most points this week. Actually, I take Sir. that back. Sir. I take that back. Uh, Rohit decided to finally set a lineup and scored an almost massive thousand points this week. Uh, the scoring system in this league is very different than the official <laughs> F1 league. Uh, but you had nine, uh, 988 points, followed by, in P2 points-wise this week, one Nick Ingball of the Speeding Burritos. <laughs> Uh, yeah, with 902. Um, so you're in uh, fifth in that league, Nick, and Rohit, with just uh, deciding to set his lineup, is now in seventh. So shout out to you guys, Monster Weeks. Uh, I would like to thank one Todd Clancy Yates for letting us know to set our lineups because it needed to happen. <laughs> so really, every time I win, Todd wins, and I wouldn't have it any other way when it comes to Formula One. Yeah, I just I just like to give the same PSA I gave last week. Never underestimate the power of filling out your lineup in fantasy. <laughs> I'm sitting pretty because of that. All right, so moving you, on to the <laughs> moving on to the F1 official as it decides to not load for me. What's going on here? Um, you know what? Just Throw it vamp for 10 seconds. Yeah, this is what I do. So while we are doing that, I did set my lineup. No, actually, my lineup's pretty okay in Formula 1. It's The only thing that frustrates me about that particular game is the app inconsistencies because I hate logging on, and I have gotten incredibly lazy when it comes to Face ID, so that just hasn't necessarily worked in my favor because every time I try to do Face ID, I think the phone thinks I'm actually wearing a helmet like a Formula 1 driver. Todd, is this enough glamping, or do you want me to go? <laughs> that was actually... <laughs> I have to say, literally to the second, perfect. That's what um, I do. That, and I also, uh, did, did, like, forget my logins, and it really annoys me. Like, it saves it for all the other F1 apps. If I want to go look at live timing or if I want to go to F1 TV, it just saves the password, and I just go, like, directly to the app, and it logs in. It really annoys me that it's not – that they don't have a dedicated app for F1 – to like do the fantasy thing anyway uh so let's go to the race results for austria we had uh two mega drives used this week so i could stop calling your brother mega drive um and the title of mega drive this week goes to all Haas no breaks aa ron with a staggering 393 points damn uh just yeah absolutely massive and in P2, we had Trav Pete also using his Mega Drive with 379 points. I actually looked at my fantasy pretty early on today, and I was like, oh, I had a really good week. I didn't check anybody else's scores. I was P5 uh, with 279 points. Uh, P4, sorry, was uh, Trav. And uh, let's scroll down to... Ooh, where are you guys? That's cool. Uh, just sorry, P9, videos. Team 1. No, no, yeah, you're just team one in this league. I thought you were something. Did you not get a team name? Did you change? Anyway, it, it was my password. Rohit had P9, 245 points. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, Nick, you had you were in P14 with 211 points. But is that last place? Overall, in the season, 
That is true. Yeah. That is very true. It's a solid, solid score. Um, overall, in the, for the season totals, we have Aaron still in first, uh, followed by Alpha, Ash, Ari, Mega Drive in P2. Uh, I'm in third now, um, which is pretty cool. But just by two points, Vertappen, that ass is right behind, two points behind me. Uh, we have... Uh, Where's Team 1? Team team 1 in 7th. That's Rohit. And uh, Nick in P13. It's climbing on up. It's climbing on up. And lastly, uh, the most important league, which is now, again, shout out to Rohit. He went even crazier with the color coding. And now we can see who won the race, who had the most points, and all the DNFs, um, which auto, like... I don't know if that auto, the color coding auto populates, but whatever you're no. doing with this is magical. Okay, um, that's just manual. I wish so, I knew how to do that, but thank you. As magical as your spreadsheet work is, your team, however, was not magical this week. A you came up in P4 with 31 points, uh, followed by myself in P3 with 47 points, uh, followed by Aaron with 57 points, and Nick. I think with the new highest scoring total of all the weeks with 69 points. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Engvall? So blonde? season totals. Nice. <laughs> season totals. Uh, Aaron continues to struggle. He's in P4 with 530. Uh, I'm also struggling. Uh, oh, sorry. That's Nick. Uh, in P3. With uh, 538, uh, P2 is myself with 550, and Rohit continues his domination with 557. I love how much the lead changes are happening in this league this year. I know it's completely yep. by chance, but... It's great, yeah. though. Yeah, it's fun. Now, I think next year I've already... All right. I was just going to say this, Todd. Whoever wins this race, I think they should be allowed to make one new rule change for next year. Yeah. That's a cool idea. I think that's cool. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Unless that's Aaron, and then we kick him out. Yeah, that's true. We could we th- maybe that's the rule change. We kick Aaron out. Just make it podcast hosts. No, I'm kidding, Aaron. We need you. We need some balance in the first half <laughs> of narrative. We get a new fourth. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I think that's great. It's it's just it's cool to to see it closer too, you know, like the points are all cool and like seeing all the different ways that you can earn points and stuff on all these other leagues but like at the end of the day it's like i want it to be something we want to pay attention to the full season as opposed to like cool i got a thousand points this week or whatever so yeah i'm into this format yeah it's definitely cool so we got a couple weeks until uh until france um, so like I think Rohit said, we're going to do a mid-season recap next week. Be sure to tune in to hear all of our very, very wrong, but very, very funny hot takes. As well. Yes. No, I, I was also thinking, do we want to come up with, because some of us nailed our hot takes. Some of us are completely far off. Let's all come up with two more hot takes because now we've got half a season to kind of work with, which would, in my mind, make the takes even hotter and allow us to double down or go truly off the rails as Exhaust Notes tends to do. I like <laughs> Sounds it. like a plan. Yep, I like I'm it. I'm in. All right, guys. Well, we're at that magical hour point, so let's let everybody know how they can find you. I am uh, TYeezyF1 on Twitter, uh, TYeezy on Instagram, uh, TYeezy on the Discord, which is the most important spot and where the best discussion ever happens on Formula One. Uh, come check it out. Perfect. You can find me on Twitter at Roheezy on Instagram, RoadM13, at Exhaust Notes, at Sneaker History. At your local library. I'm just reading up on things. So come on, say hi. We'll chat. And I'll let you write my hot takes for me next week. Also, write us a review, you clowns. Don't think I forgot. I will never forget when it comes to writing reviews. (laughs) 
Give us your best hot take in that review and yes. we'll read it on the air so you can be in in our company of uh I don't I don't know, blasphemous hot takes. I think we've got a few that qualify as, as that, right? I don't think there's particularly any blasphemous yeah. ones. I mean <laughs> we'll see. I mean I did say that Lando was gonna podium six times. Yeah, but like preseason predictions. It okay, kind of okay. felt fair. <laughs> not only that, spoiler alert, Nick, you kind of nailed your other hot takes, so I'm not really saying much. Hey, I, I'll trade. I'll trade Lando for Mick. If Mick gets six podiums before the season's over, I'm ecstatic. That's amazing. If, if he gets six podiums, <laughs> go ahead, Todd. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, if Mick <laughs> Mick gets six podiums in half of a year. After never being on the podium before, he is like, there's not an MVP uh, yeah. of the F1 season, but that would be it. No, I'll, be I'll the go official, one step further. The beast. If Mick gets six podiums, forget the Mick to uh, Ferrari uh, rumors. Name the team Schumacher, because that's probably the greatest <laughs> thing that's ever happened. <laughs> yep. Kind of agree. All right. Well, thank you all for rocking with us, listening to us, laughing with us. Hopefully you enjoy it. Make sure you hit that link in the description. Find us on the Discord. You can find me at Nick Engvall on all the platforms. More importantly, at Exhaust Notes FM everywhere and ExhaustNotes.fm. You can find all of our previous episodes. Check it out. Let us know what you think. And uh, we will catch you next week. Peace. Peace.